Hey there, I'm Edwina Kennedy, registered pediatric dietitian and mom of two, and this is the My Little Eater podcast. Each week, I'll be dishing out all the best info on feeding and nutrition for your baby and toddler, answering all of your what do I do when scenarios, and helping you gain complete confidence in not only feeding your child, but in parenting as well. Every episode is filled with actionable and proven feeding strategies delivered by a mama and a feeding expert who's been there and done that. I hold your hand and take you step by step through all stages of feeding while showing you how to implement what I teach you so that you can raise a happy and healthy little eater of your own. Let's do this. Today I'm talking to you about grandparents, our beloved grandparents, our parents, our parents-in-law who are around our kids and who may have their own idea of how they should be feeding your kids and sometimes that doesn't align with how you want to be feeding them. A lot of times parents come to me worried and stressed and even angry that they're afraid that grandparents are ruining their healthy feeding efforts. So we're going to dive into this topic today and I'm going to walk you through all that you need to know about their feeding styles and if it's different from how you feed your child um, if there's anything that you should do about it. So first off, we know it is such a luxury to be able to leave your kids with their grandparents. I know you guys know that. Of course, it's free babysitting in a place where you know that they're with people who love your kids as much as you do. But a lot of the times we cringe at the stories that come back to us after a day with grandparents. So you know, you're probably going to hear things like, mommy, I had ice cream for supper. Or when you ask your parents or parents-in-law about what they did, they say, well, you know, we made chocolate chip cookies and then I took them to the store to get some chips and then we watched a movie with hot chocolate and marshmallows and you're like wow mom thanks for giving them more candy in a day than I've given them all week and this used to happen to me a lot like a lot a lot it used to worry me like crazy and I'd begin concocting plans for how I would talk to them and what I'd say to have them do things my way like feed them more healthily and I used to take it really personally when I'd ask to keep it limited to one treat food a day, for example, and then I'd hear all about the candy that they'd eaten and the juice that they drank. And to top it all off, I mean, my father-in-law used to put the mounds of food on their plate, like tons, and then he'd kind of pressure them to eat it. Like, you know, he'd tell them they had to finish their food and he'd bribe them with dessert. And I remember he even used to take them to McDonald's, which was one thing, but then even when my kids didn't want a dessert, or better yet, they didn't even like the dessert, um, like I remember he used to get them the baked apple pie from McDonald's. He, he'd always, always insist that they get it. And he'd pretty much, I don't want to say force it on them, but I mean, he would continually beg and plead and he'd be like, come on, it's dessert. Yum. It's so good. Why won't you have it? Blah, blah, blah. And they just didn't want it. And I would always hear about these stories. And I also remember he used to come to our place to visit us and he'd come over always with a bag of full size chocolate bars. Like no joke. He'd have like five at a time for each of them. And he would like announce his presence with like he had gifts, like he was Santa Claus or something. And, you know, he would love the excitement that he would see on the boys' faces. Well, let me tell you that the look on my face was not excitement. I used to say something like, oh, wow, um, full-size chocolate bars, five of them, you know, and I'd, I'd half smile at my kids who were, they were excited showing me, but I was like, I don't know how to react to this. I want to scream. <laughs> and okay, one more example of, of the thing that I dealt with. He used to tell the boys, you know, things like, shh, don't tell mommy about this, or we're going to have some ice cream, but mommy's going to be mad, so don't tell her. And that, I will say, is where I drew the line because making me seem like the bad guy and hiding things from me was not okay in my books. 
Now, I'm going to tell you at the end of the episode how I ended up dealing with all this, but I just want to really make sure you know that I have dealt with my fair share of this. So, all right, let's start by saying that the reason why grandparents do this, why they are so well known for this kind of thing is because, especially in the case of my father-in-law, he wanted to be the fun one. It was his way of making sure that the kids had a blast and that they built fond memories of going to this place. I know for my mom and dad, who still did this to an extent, but it was much more balanced, um, they did it because they didn't know how else to bond with them. So I know for my mom, feeding is the way to show your love. And really, both of them didn't know how else to show them that feeling, and they didn't know what else they could do to spend the time with them. So that's why they did it. So the question now is, okay, well, we know the likelihood that grandparents will go against our typical feeding philosophies is high, but how much does that actually affect our kids? Will all that work that we've done to keep all the food, you know, at level playing field, to expose them to healthy food daily, to trust their hunger and fullness cues, to eat in a no pressure environment, all of that hard work, is it going to be reversed by the actions of their grandparents? And the answer to that is it depends, but most likely no. Okay, so let's just start by talking about the factors that'll go into this answer. So first off, how often are they with them? Because I will say that the good news is that one or two visits with them per week, even if they're extended visits, they're not really going to fundamentally change how your children eat. Now, I might argue that even um, having these indulgences with grandparents could possibly be um, a way to foster healthy eating habits if you use these visits to teach your kids how to incorporate sweets and treats in a healthy way, in moderate way. Um, and in a joyful way where you're actually enjoying them and you're doing so mindfully. The other thing is that what I want you to know is the structure that you create at home is the most important. So if you have the right structure, meaning you're feeding your kids on a schedule, you're choosing what meals are going out, you're choosing um, where they're being eaten, you're choosing, of course, what's going into those meals, you're not catering, you're doing all the things I teach in my toddler's course, step by step, all of that stuff, that is what is the most important. And what's interesting is that I always did this stuff at home. And even though they would go to my parents or my father-in-law's house or whoever's house, they would come back and neither of them would ask for things to be changed at home based on what their grandparents did with them. So for example, my mom and dad would always allow them screen time every time they'd sit and eat. But when they come home to me, they would never ask for the TV to be on when we were at home because that's just not what we did. So they seemed content with what and how I structured food and mealtimes at home. And they're really, really adaptable. I'm telling you, kids are resilient and they understand different rules with different people in different environments. So if you want to think about it in the context of daycare, we know that daycare has a set of rules and they have structure that's different from what happens in most of our homes. But if your child goes there and is a great eater, they can still come back home and then exhibit all these picky eating behaviors. Or maybe, you know, vice versa, your child goes there and they're actually not eating that much, but they come home and they've got a way better appetite and they're in a better environment for eating. So what happens at daycare, for example, is not changing fundamentally the way that they eat at home. So just know that the environments and who they're with matters. And this is really strongly supported by research. So developing those healthy eating habits at home even though, you know, your kids are going to go through, of course, different food stages as they grow, it's very likely that if they have that right foundation at home, as adults, they're going to choose that balanced eating style that they had modeled for them 
at home throughout most of their childhood. So when grandparents do not have regular feeding responsibilities, I say just let them do what they want. I mean, in the long run, that's what really matters is that bonding, that relationship, that, you know, those good memories that are being built with their grandparents, those are going to be way more important than how many brownies your kids may have consumed. You know, even if the visit lasts the entire summer, I will tell you that my kids this is my own fault. This is no one else's fault. But I get really lax about cooking in the summer. It's hot. I want to be out enjoying the weather. And so we're often eating things that I'm like a little less than proud of saying I'm serving to my kids. But you know what? It is what it is. My kids do get a little bit pickier over the summer as a result. But even after like two months of this, you know, always heading in towards the end of August, I'm preparing for the school year. I'm getting back into the groove of routine and meal planning. I can whip them back into shape within a couple of days. I'm telling you, I just resume my old feeding schedule. I start back up again with serving them, you know, a variety of healthier foods at every single meal. I use all the normal tactics that I always used before. And I'm telling you, it turns around pretty quick. So think about that. Even after two months of, you know, eating totally off balance, it didn't really change their eating habits. And this happens almost on a yearly basis. So there you go. Now, if grandparents do have regular feeding responsibilities, so your kids are there maybe three plus times a week um, and you do feel really bothered by this or you do really feel like, you know what, it is affecting the way my child eats and I just don't want this to happen anymore, then my recommendation is to talk to their grandparents. So I want you to just think about this though. Instead of just asking them and expecting them to do exactly what you say and live up to your feeding practices and standards, exactly the way you do it and never put up a fight and never treat their grandkids. What I want you to do instead is to go in with a little bit more tact and I want you to differentiate for them, you know, what a regular feeding time is and then what like a grandparent feeding time would be. So for example, you're acknowledging that, you know, they want to treat them. We get that. They want to have some special times with them and have some, you know, extra fun times that they might not always have on a daily basis. So maybe you could say, you know, regular feeding times is like breakfast, lunch, and supper, Monday to Friday, but then like Friday afternoons and Saturday daytimes, you can have like, you know, grandparent feeding times. And that's when you can go out and treat them and do something a little bit extra, a little bit more um, out of the norm, right? And so that way you're kind of coming up with a balance, you're coming up with some structure, and then the grandparents know what to expect and they don't feel like you're taking away all the fun out of it. The other thing is to educate their grandparents a little bit. I mean, you don't want to come in acting like you know it all, but also think about how long it's taken you to probably learn about all these feeding practices and to figure out what to do when they say this or that or tantrum or cry or pout or ask for something else or any of the above. And that has really taken a lot of practice. That's taken a lot of time. That's taken a lot of research. So it's hard to just go in and expect that the grandparents are going to know exactly what to do, exactly how to handle this, and that they're going to be up for it. So what I say is, you know, tell them, tell them and sympathize with them. You know, I know this is hard. Sometimes they're going to say this. Here's what you can do. Sometimes they're going to say that. Here's what you're, you can do. Um, it's just going to make it a little bit easier. You're going to have to give them some patience and some time and some grace to know that, you know, they've been feeding kids one way their entire life. They fed you one way. They fed your husband or wife one way. And now all of a sudden we're coming in and asking them to change everything that they know about feeding. 
That's hard stuff. So have some patience with them. And again, throw out little tips. Ask how it went. Be like, oh, here's what I do at home. You know, hopefully they're receptive to a little bit of that. But um, again, just realize that they may need a little bit of help around how to actually handle everything when your child doesn't want to cooperate. Okay, now back to the story of my kids with their grandfather. And I'm just going to tell you what I did to help bridge the gap between me and him. And maybe you can use these tips in your own situation. So one of the things that would happen, and little did my father-in-law know, that my kids were not seeing all those experiences that were happening with food as fondly as he thought they were. So, you know, they would actually come home complaining to me more often than not, especially after, you know, a few months of this you know, that Grenda made me eat an X amount of food or he always pushes to go and have this like apple pie thing from McDonald's or, um, you know, whatever it is. And it was kind of like more of that, oh, it was so much food or, oh, it was so tiring. I kept telling him I was full. And like they come home with the candy in hand and basically we're not seeing it as positively as he thought they were. And so instead of telling him, oh, they didn't have as great of a time as you thought they did, I definitely do that. What I did is instead I just talked to my kids. So my suggestion is talk to your child, no matter how old they are, even if they're really young, of course, the conversation is going to look a little bit different, but just talk to them about, you know, the upcoming visit with grandma or grandpa and how many sweets and treats they're likely to expect. You know, you might say something like, you know, Grenda really likes to treat you guys with ice cream every single time he sees you. So just know that he's probably going to offer it to you. Just want to tell you that you do not have to have it if you're full or if you don't like it. Don't feel bad about it. But if you want to have it as well, that's totally fine. You can enjoy it. Have fun. So you're really just trying to remain neutral about the whole thing. You're not saying things like, oh my God, he's going to do this and it's bad for you. So please don't take any or, you know, vice versa, you know, saying, okay, you can have some only one or anything like that. You don't want to have any of those like demonizing conversations around sweets. Instead, you just want to reinforce the message that, look, you don't have to eat something if you don't want it, but also enjoy it if you want it. There's no guilt around it either way. It's not to please them. It's not to please your grandparents. And it's not to please me as your parent. So that's the kind of conversation that you can prep your child with. The other thing is help your child identify which treats they really love and which ones they're, you know, most likely to get excited about. And then talk to them about the idea of maybe passing up those ordinary treats, those ones that eh, they don't really care so much about, um, and just going for the ones that they thoroughly enjoy, that they love a lot. You know, don't make it a requirement that they have to pick and choose, but just talk to them about that idea that, you know, we don't have to eat everything that comes our way. Choose the ones you really, really love. If you know that grandma always bakes the best banana bread and you don't really get that at home and you just love it so much, go for it. Enjoy it. Like, love every minute of it. Um, but maybe, you know, she offers you the sucker that, you know, every single time she thinks that on your way out the door, she's going to just give you a sucker, but you don't really care for it that much. You know, you can save that for later or you don't have to eat it at all. It's not that exciting to you. Now, I do talk about this in my blog and in my podcast episode on handling Halloween treats and candy. Um, so if you haven't read or listened to that, then definitely go make sure that you listen to that because that talks a little bit more about how you can kind of help your child decide what's a favorite, what's not, talk about the properties of the candy, decide if you like it or not. There's some more detail in there. So I will link that also in the show notes for you. 
Now, the other thing is to remind your child to pay attention to their tummies. So learning not to overeat during times when they have so much food around them and lots of, again, maybe tempting foods is just so much more important, I'm telling you, than always ensuring that your kids have like perfectly healthy food. So this is a skill that your child needs to learn. Again, you can start teaching this as early as, you know, two three, four years old, um, and they will continue to build on the skill over time, over years. It's not always going to be perfect, but again, this is something that you can start talking to them about, and that is what you want to arm them with, is that ability to know when they're hungry, when they're full, to eat a couple bites of something and then stop it. All of that is going to be the best way to actually make sure your kid is healthiest versus trying to protect them and protect their environment and take everything away. The next thing is to ask your child to be open about it. So tell them, you know, you don't have to hide things from mom or dad. This means that, of course, if they come and tell you that they ate something, you have to be cool about it. And, you know, when I would catch my father-in-law saying something like, "Uh uh-oh, mommy's not going to be too happy about this one, or, oh no, mommy found out we had chocolate, I was really sure to speak up confidently in the moment, and I would say things like, oh, you know what? The boys know that they tell mommy everything, and mommy does not get mad. We have chocolate at home, too. And sometimes a private conversation with that family member may be warranted, so you can let them know in private that, you know, this is how this makes me feel, and ask them not to do it in a kind way, and then just reinforce them the fact that you will not be the candy police when they are with them. Again, go back to that initial conversation of when is it regular feeding times, when is it grandparent feeding times, how can we find a middle ground so you can enjoy those special times with them, but also making sure that you're respecting my needs and their overall health as well. Now, when my father-in-law would come and visit them, and like I said, he'd bring a huge bag of like uh, full-size chocolate bars, I would make sure to be positive and I would start getting excited with the kids instead of kind of being like middle ground or negative about it. I'd say something like, awesome. Oh my God, that's so cool. Thanks, Grenda. You know what? Let's have some with dinner tonight and we're going to store the rest of it in the cupboard for later. And so the kids were like, sweet, this is good. Um, They can still be excited. There was no one coming in and bursting their bubble. Um, They knew that they were still going to be able to have some. And then I would, after dinner, let's say, I'd give them a little piece at dinner and then after that I would just take it put it in the cupboard and more often than not I'm telling you the kids would just forget about it and I just end up throwing most of it away or all of it away and then we just move on with our lives instead of huffing and puffing about it in front of the whole family and making this big ordeal so I learned a few lessons there Um, I really hope that you can take these lessons and apply them as well because I just want to say that if I had pushed too hard they may have ended up rebelling and they may have been um, just attracted to the very thing that I'm trying to pull them away from so instead of fear I just chose to stand in a place of confidence show that I'm not threatened by you know the outside environment because I'm not remember the home environment is the most important thing Um, so I just decided not to make that stuff the enemy so my strategy is not to shelter kids but really just to expose them and teach them the real lifelong skills that's going to give them true health and the ability to manage these things no matter how old they are and where they are. So I hope that this episode was helpful and I really would love to hear your feedback, your stories, um, any tips that you have for other parents would be amazing. You can leave me those comments and that feedback as a review. I read every single review that comes through on the podcast um, and also make sure to subscribe and leave me a five-star rating if you found this episode to be helpful. All right, thanks so much for tuning in and I will talk to you next week.